This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. And we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Star Wars Report. You're listening to episode 352, and we are going to be talking about reactions to Resistance, upcoming books, set picks from Mandalorian. Wait, the Mandalorian? Oh, there's some goodies here. All that and more. And again, a great big thank you to all of our patrons out there. Bruce, you want to come in here real quick and uh, uh, take my co-host status? Like, I'm just jumping all over your normal spot here and taking the host position. So I should probably introduce you as the co-host today and producer and editor extraordinaire for this episode. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Wait, what do you mean having me here? Why am I saying that? I'm like, I do. Well, I'm not here all the time. Have you noticed that lately? I'm well, not here. I, every I was time. I was worried last night because like I, I had all these scout things going on, and then I'm like 6:30. I'm washing up from getting back from working out in the woods, and I'm like, well, something we're supposed to do around this time. I'm looking at the clock, 6:30. Oh, I missed the show. <laughs> so luckily, <laughs> luckily we uh, we were able to reschedule on another day. I, I, not that the listeners noticed, but yeah, the beauty of uh, the the behind the scenes aspect. And if you want to know more behind the scenes stuff, check out our patron. Uh, Bruce, you got the uh, link on that. You want to shoot it to him? Check it out. Patron. Wait, what is our patron thing? You go to patreon.com, right? And you'll find, just search for Star Wars Report and you'll find us there. And we have Rogue Transmissions exclusive content that we record. You can check that stuff out. There's behind the scenes looks there. We also do some Growing Up Hurlman, which you got a preview of a couple of weeks ago. We're not going to do it again, guys. Don't worry. It's not happening. That was just a little fun off thing. We're we're still going to do our Rogue Trans, not Rogue Trans, our Boba's Bounty on today's show. Yeah. In fact, let's just jump right in. I believe we have something to report. We have something to report. Some closer, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. You can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. All right, our first story we talked about at the beginning here, The Mandalorian. John Favreau has released a couple different set pictures of The Mandalorian. The first one was a huge splash. Uh, I, I think when I first saw it, I didn't realize that it was John that had sent it out because I was seeing it, you know, bouncing around at that point. And I was just like, oh, that looks like a really cool cosplay. And then I saw the tweet and it was like, oh, oh, that's brilliant. And now we've got a new one where we're seeing a picture of one of the rifles, and I believe it's the rifle that we saw slung across the Mandalorians back in the first one, and it happens to be the same type of weapon that one Boba Fett used in the special edition cartoon. <laughs> yeah, so it does look like what's probably on his back. So that is really cool looking. I love the how it, yeah, it looks like a Mandalorian-type Boba Fett-type weapon. Yeah, and, and now seeing it laying across the... Uh, what do we call those storage cubes? I mean, they, they, uh, the fact that they've got those in the live action is brilliant. I mean, they were always like the graphic in the old Nintendo games and it kind of grew from that, like the eight bit look. They still look like that, but they look a little cooler. <laughs> they're real life eight bits. But there's that thing sitting across three of them, right? Like, so when you look about where it's strapped to his back in the other picture here, and, and this is the uh, Jedi news uh, UK link that we've got in the show notes here. But you look at that and where the back of that rifle, you know, the stock is, that thing's got to be going down past his kneecap. Like, that is a long, long rifle. Do you wonder then, does it maybe collapse at all, like maybe Han's DL-44? Ooh, that's a good point. I, it doesn't look like it does, but that thing would be very difficult to manage. I mean, imagine trying to pull that off your back. Yeah, well, I think it accordions. Look, so, so look so at it again, it right? Okay. So you see where the, the fork is, and then you got those two notches, and you got the one that's like a triangle, and then it goes to that bar. Yeah. Those bars look like they might be quick release down at the end, and that looks like it might all telescope in on itself. Oh, yeah, it does look like a telescope in there. Because that little triangle at the end looks like it could slide all the way back to where that scope is and mesh right with it perfectly okay. or close to it. 
Maybe I, I I'm reaching here, but no, it, you, I just I like you're right. I'm trying to think of the Mandalorian running with that thing strapped to his back with it going down by his ankle. Like that, those forks, that's gonna stab your thigh. Like you're gonna get it in the calf or something. <laughs> no, I think you're right because it looks like it would slide down. It looks like there's enough a like, gap in that opening of that cylinder that it would slide down. It still would mm-hmm. be a little long, but it would definitely collapse some. Yep, and then the other one, uh, and I almost forgot all about this one until I scrolled down even farther, is the uh, ice cream maker that, uh, again, is the, the fan favorite. Uh, I, what the heck is that character's name, too? I can't even think oh, of the I name right remember. now. Oh, I don't remember. It's like Raldo or something like that. Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> everybody loved this character. He's running through Bespin. Like, Lando's like, everybody get the hell out of here. And here's this guy running in the orange jump shoot, and he's carrying the ice cream bucket and... Like this one, it, it looks definitely more Star Wars than the one that was being ran through Bespin. But again, I'm like, I, I kind of hope that there's some significance to this item. Like, you know, maybe like, maybe not it's like an urn or something, but something cooler. Well, like, maybe like know. the Mandalorian has an ice cream truck, you know, and that's what <laughs> he does during the day. That's his day job. And he's serving ice cream and he's got the ice cream carrier and all that stuff. And by the way, I looked it up. Will wrote. Wilro Hood. Wilro. Okay. Will Will That's Ro- hard to say. Wilro. That is. That is a, I feel like I'm Skippy Doo. Wilro. Right. Thank you. <laughs> no, that was exactly what was running through my head. I was just like, oh, I'm going to be talking the whole show, show like Scooby here. But, but but what if, like the Mandalorian culture that was dying out at one point and is starting to make a resurgence, maybe the special Mandalorian double chocolate cream ice cream is so rare it needs to have a special containment unit and they can only make so much of it. Or maybe it's a special live fungus-like ice cream that they can only grow off of the one. Like, they can't find any of it anywhere. So if they eat it all, it's gone forever, and they've only got a small batch, but it only grows so much. So, like, this one Mandalorian is protecting it with his life. <laughs> uh, I think a young gin probably ate ice cream from one of these. I, I hope there's one of these that has, like, Ben and Jerry's on the side. <laughs> right? Some some uh, advertising. <laughs> Speaking of advertising, though, that actually reminds me of one of the things uh, from Resistance. And uh, we've got some Resistance Easter eggs. But uh, there was a point where Kaz was talking to one of the other guys. and like, hey, you can throw your advertising on the side of my ship. I'm like, brilliant. Brilliant real world marketing. I love it. But we got some Easter eggs uh, from Resistance due to uh, from Sony Digital was, was commenting on this. And do you have a chance to check this one out yet? I only roughly saw Resistance's first, I think it's two episodes one time. Uh, when I, when I did the record, it only had one episode showed up. I kind of had a moment or I panicked and then I realized it was an hour long. So I'm like, okay, I at least got two episodes, but I was hearing everyone saying like they got three and I'm like, okay, well I, I didn't get three episodes. So like, I, I don't know. Did I, maybe I missed out on something here. I've only saw it once. So maybe when I go back after this recording, maybe the third episode's there and there's a lot more, but Bruce, what did, what did you think? I mean, for me, the opening shot, I was immediately excited. Oh yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw that dome come up. I knew it was not R2-D2, but I knew it was an astromech droid right away. At first, I thought it was going to be like maybe one of those Trade Federation ships, you know? But then I was like, okay, wait, no, that looks like an astromech. And then by the time we get to the little two blue dots, I knew immediately. I was like, okay, we got a cool blue. blue. But now, see, for me, one of the things about the show that really stuck with me was the astromech aspect. And that was BB-8. Um, Poe leaving BB-8 behind gave me pause. I won't say it's a complaint. I've heard a lot of people mention this, that they have issues yeah. with this. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's a concern. You know, you take a character that everybody loves like BB eight and I get it. You know, everybody loves BB eight. So we're going to put him in this series, but they've established where this series is set with the Poe Dameron comic and the last, uh, or at the force awakens. So we know at some point, you know, BB eight is going to get back with Poe because he's with Poe at the beginning of that before he gets ditched and goes on his own merry way. But, if they decide to put a story with Poe in the Poe comic that sets at any point in this and they bring BB-8 there, unless they specifically reference it in the show, you have that opportunity for him to be two places at one time. What I think they should do is give Poe a second astromech. Why not? He has two X-Wings. Why not have a second astromech? Especially if he's just loaned BB-8 to Kaz. This would be the perfect opportunity for him to show up with another BB-8 droid have BB-8 freak out. Have Poe go, hey, you're still my number one, bud. I just have to have somebody watching my back while you're watching his. Boom. Everything's solved. Like, So that that's just a small thing for me. I was like, oh, man. But 
I'm actually happy that more people had an issue with that because I'm like, I, I flip out over petty stuff all the time. <laughs> so, okay, I have to admit, I have not seen the whole episode. I saw half of it. And there's a reason for that. And that is because I, I, I was a subscriber to Sling and uh, Disney is part of Sling. The problem is that I had, uh, I cut it off like, you know, so my, my, my month had ended and I wasn't going to renew it. So I was going to just do what I did like with Rebels. I buy it through Amazon, but it's like 40 bucks to buy the whole mm. season. But it, all I'm seeing is that there's going to be 10 episodes, but I read somewhere there's going to be 20 or 22 or so. Now, if there's 20 or 22, I'll buy the whole season, but I'm not paying 40 bucks for 10 episodes. So yeah. I did, So when I had Sling, I saw the first half of the first episode, but then my subscription lapsed before I could watch the second half of the episode. But I did see those other two episodes in the VOD section. Okay. So I think if you have cable or something, that's how you get those other episodes. So one thing, and since you caught the first half, like you might have picked up enough on it to massage my worry or or point out what I missed. Kaz was already wearing resistance rebellion uniform, but it seemed like he wasn't really part of the resistance yet. Or right. was he just like a new member? No, he was new. Well, see, that's where I was confused because, and, I, and like you, I, of course because I've only watched half of it, I haven't rewatched it, but I wanted mm. to rewatch it because I was confused because he was flying X. He was with, you know, an X wing squadron. And then yeah. Poe kind of, you know, he shows up, rescues them, brings him with him and says, Hey guy, you want to join the resistance? Join the resistance. Yeah. I want to join there. And I'm like, well, what, who was he a part of? Like, yeah. where were the X wings? So I'm assuming there is a Republic, Military that's still doing X-Wings and Resistance is something that has spun off of that. And they have their own X-Wings and why is he in the uniform? Like, yeah, I was confused by that. Yeah, that that definitely. And the fact that they were engaging with the First Order, which was a cool moment. But again, I felt like there was some context missing there. Like, okay, if he's not part of the Resistance, then are are the blue Rebel logo, is that something that the New Republic's using at this point? Because I was not under the impression that that was what was the case. But yet he's wearing that uniform on him. It, that logo's on him three spots, on both shoulders, and I think it's like in the center of his chest on the uniform too. And he's engaging with the First Order. So if we're in that that Cold War moment, so this should be huge if he's part of the, the New Republic because they're all in denial about it. They're like, hey, everything's great with us and them. So like, there's that aspect that like, it needs to kind of solidify more for that. But I thought it was kind of cool that the mission is we got to find out who's loyal to the First Order. So when this goes down, we know who to call on. So I like that aspect. And I, I think as we go forward, we watch him... I have a feeling he's going to be the one that recruits the rest of the racers. Uh, so I think what we're going to see is a rebel cell forming in a sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'm excited for that. Like that, that's definitely a cool aspect. And the fact that we see first order, uh, there's so much about the first order that I really want to know. I keep going back to the fact that, you know, you, you go from uh, the last aftermath book where Ray Sloan takes the rest of the Imperial fleet Everything that's left, the survivors, the best of the best, basically, because uh, Gallius Rax has wiped down, you know, all, anybody that wasn't up to snuff. They were trying to get them killed in the process of getting to Jakku. So that way, everybody at Jakku was the best, the first order of the new order. So they go out and they leave the galaxy is what they basically describe it as. And they're, they're kind of like set up shop outside the galaxy to rebuild and come back, which they do with one significant change. Ray Sloan is no longer in charge. Now we've got Snoke as the supreme leader. Snoke, someone who came again from outside the galaxy as well, like them, took over, became their supreme leader somehow. All we know is that he's a force welder and he's got unlimited resources. So I would love to see how he used those unlimited resources to take over, not just with fear. You know, like it, you don't see like the same kind of fear angle that you do Palpatine and, and the Denzins of the Empire in that regard. It's more power. Like, like it's just, it's kind of like when he showed up, like he bolstered them and they're like, dude, this guy can like make us even more powerful. Like he didn't use it as a threat against them, but more like a promise for more. And I want to know more about how that angle. Oh, plays I out. so want to know more about that. I don't think we're going to get that in this series. 
but I definitely want to know more about all that. Now, how tickled were you about the blockade runner? Like at first when I saw that, I was like, please, 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 please. And then when they when when Poe's all like, this baby's seen battles since Scarif, I was like, oh, it's a, yes, yes. <laughs> that was the clue as to which ship it was. <laughs> right. Because I thought, oh, that could be any blockade runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they said it went all the way to Jakku, so I'm like, oh, clearly that's Organa's ship. Who who goes to Jakku? Come on. I know, man. It's a junk plan. I don't know why anybody would want to go and even risk parking their their uh, ship there. Especially when, when you, you bring it down, it's a nice ship. You can't get it out. And next thing you know, it's just a big old piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of these are, are ones I miss, like Aunt Z's Tavern. I totally missed the helmets in the background. Uh, we got a Mandalorian helmet back there and stuff. I did catch that she was the same type of species as Unkar Plunk. Yep. And I was like, oh, oh, so this is what one looks like in a non-arid environment. Okay, because she's, she's on a sea base, basically, which is another cool thing. The fact that the base itself is a giant ship. Like, I'm like, if the resi- like, I could see this show ending with the ace pilot stealing the entire base and taking it off to war. Yeah, yeah I love that it's on the water. And I mean, because this is a different environment. It's, you know, like mm-hmm. Camino in a sense, but without the rain. Uh, we, we see so many aliens. I'm pretty sure that's Elo Nasty or Elo Asti. Uh, my favorite of those species, just because I, that's my favorite CD of all of theirs, is the Hello Nasty track of the Beastie Boys. Uh, and we saw a lot of different aliens. In fact, I missed the Bith, the one that they're showing there. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing him. And then the tats. Uh, I had noticed one tattoo, but now I'm seeing all these other yeah, ones. Yeah, so explain cool. these tattoos. So one- well, we got a Rancor head with the crossbones, so like Rancor pirates maybe or something along those lines. One that looks like a black sun tattoo or maybe a variant of, and one that looks like it's a Sarlacc. That's what I it's was got to be a Sarlacc. All right. And then, then we got the, uh, the Igamorth or whatever the giant slugs are, the space slugs. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, all of what's the only one that I think's missing is the Zelo beast. But you know what is really cool about this is how much you want to bet you're going to start people, see people getting these exact same tattoos. You know what? I didn't even think about it, but that is a brilliant thing. Um, you know, I think like with this day and age, there's so many things going around with our fandom. Everybody's like, you know, toxic fandom. Our fandom's an ugly place. That, what you just suggested, is one of the great sides of our fandom. You know, I mean, uh, think about Bria and her cosplay and stuff. Like, she goes all in. Like, you know, you, you get people that, that do that, and you get them to show up at these celebrations. Because I heard some people, you know, like, Star Wars doesn't need to be celebrated. And I almost agreed. But then it was this aspect, the cosplaying side, where people are getting into it, and they're nailing it, and they're sharing their love. And I do think that that still needs to be celebrated. I think that, that you know... These opportunities for us to share our passion in ways and make our passion part of our everyday lives. I think that's the the good. Of who says what our who says provide. that Star Wars should not be celebrated? There's, there's some people right now that just feel like there's so many divided lines on so many angles that all we are producing is hate. Oh my! And I can I can see how people can see that narrative and see it as truth for themselves, but I, I just feel like we got to point out. That there are good things. I mean, I mean, you know, we've always been a unifying force for a fandom. You know, we've always been a positive spin on things. Like that's that's been our benchmark. You know, and sometimes for me it gets hard because like I come from a family where you know my mom and my sister they love to tear things apart. That's part of their they get a kick out of it. I bet and they so, tear you apart too. Oh man, yeah, especially <laughs> the scan. Oh yeah, I was honestly I was surprised. My mom was like, "I want to go see a Star Wars movie." Yeah, like, oh, okay, and then she liked it. But no, so like, so there's one part of me that's like, you know, there's, you know, you see those things like no room for hate, but it's like, well, even though there's no room for hate, hate will always exist. Somebody is going to hate something like, you know, like I hated what they did to Jason Solo, but I still, I tolerate it, you know, but not everyone has tolerance. (laughs) So, I mean, for me, that aspect of the fandom where people are cosplaying and they're they're bringing that love to the real world and, and sharing it in a way where it becomes physical and not just something you see on the screen. There is something special about that, not just for them, but for the, for you and I, Bruce, the people that just show up and we get to take pictures with them. I remember the first time I ran into the 501st, it was at a, a Circuit City. But I I mean, that's where I met Martin Varva, one of the he was the head of the 501st of the Cloud City chapter at the time. And I later ended up meeting Alan Quick, who is uh one of the current ones, or he might have even stepped down at this point. But, you know, great individuals that I met through this stuff and I had nothing to do with what they were doing aside from just standing there and taking a picture. But that made 
my five year experience. Like I, I was bragging about that for a good long time. Yeah, I you know, I am not a cosplayer and people that people that know me are surprised by that because I like to perform and play characters and all that stuff. But I, I just I'm not comfortable with the idea of making a costume, walking around in it all day. I just I'm not into that. But I spent some time with the five oh first for a video shoot one time and Ooh. just seeing I mean, I've seen the 501st, I've seen the costumes, they're always incredible, but just seeing the dedication that they had in putting their costumes together and getting into them and the time it took and the efforts they were putting into it and just the bond that they had between them. I mean, that that is a great expression of fandom and that's a great expression of community. And they do so much even on the charity side of things. So even though I'm not involved in cosplay and I don't want to do that, I admire so much of the Five of First and what they do. I mean, that's a great expression of fandom. Mm-hmm. And, and see, and I had heard recently that there was a, an issue issue where uh, 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 the guy that plays young Boba Fett, Daniel, Daniel Logan, yeah, Daniel Logan, uh, Daniel Logan and Ray Park both have uh, removed themselves from the 501st over some situations that happened with some individuals. And and it's those things that that people feel like, well, we shouldn't be celebrating because even in the 501st, it does these great things. We have situations that show the bad and, and the, the not great side, you know, and I think that that's. This, the unfortunate aspect of human nature is that we aren't always going to get everything so right. So there was a few um, individuals that did something wrong? And I'm not exactly sure what the offense was, but it was big enough that Ray Park called him out for it. Um, oh, wow. And then Logan had, had left, and, and a lot of people were, were talking about it in the, the thread that I was reading at that time. And, you know, there were a couple people... Uh, like, like Joe from Dark Empire, uh, it was like, you know, these are the, some of the good things we do. Don't, don't condemn everybody. Uh, you know, and it's, a, and it becomes one of those things. Like when somebody screws up, it's like, you got to have somebody going, well, not everyone. And then you got someone else going, Hey, he's doing the not everyone thing. That's just as bad. Like it, it escalates so quickly, especially on Twitter. Like Twitter, I, I, that's the one aspect about Twitter. I absolutely can't stand is how things can be misunderstood and misconstrued. And it just grows out of there as people are trying to explain themselves. And then an argument forms that should have never really been an argument kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but you're talking about, uh, you know, you've never done any of the cosplay stuff. One thing that I've done that was a lot of fun, and it it was uh, my subdued costume, right at Subway. I was wearing that, and that made me think. I think I would have so much fun doing the five hundred first because being in a costume where no one knows it's you, where they can't see your face or anything, like you're completely encased in something, is very liberating. Like, I mean, I'm I'm normally goofy, but when I'm wearing that costume and wearing in the parades and stuff, I'm high fiving kids, getting hugs from moms. Like, at one point, I actually break danced on top of a sewer manhole cover because <laughs> I was just I was just having a blast. And I keep thinking about like if I was doing you know wearing like a wolf outfit or a Rex outfit or some kind of clone armor, I think I'd be having a lot of fun with that. And I th- I think you would too, man. I think there's something about that. Like you see, like Mark Hamill goes to places. Uh, 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 John Bodega, he goes, you know, they're all wearing these costumes and stuff, having the time of their lives because nobody knows it's them. No, I, something liberating. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think I would enjoy that. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I just don't put the time into it or whatever to do it. But you're right, because I've I remember one time doing volunteer work at a school in Los Angeles that uh, we uh, redid their whole playground. And just the kids getting all excited that we were there and all the stuff that we were doing. And I even took video of them all like standing in a big crowd and screaming, yeah, yay. I'm like, this is kind of what the 501st, you know, this is the kind of reception they get. One of the other cool Easter eggs, we got to see the pit droids uh, from episode one. Although there was a moment where the pit droid was like laughing at something, and I'm just like, boy, that droid seems a little free thinking. Like I thought those were like stupid little like program droids. Like that droid's like mocking him. (laughs) No, they're like the three stooges. Uh, Right, right. Uh, and then, and I miss this one, but it does say in this article that bat-eared fans may also recognize a voice from the same Phantom Menace scene. Pod race commandeer Fod, one half of the double-headed alien, was voiced by comedian Greg Proops, and he returns to com- uh, commentate on the race in the new TV series as Jack Sivrak. Cool. Okay, now see, mm-hmm. this is really getting to me, because I've been wanting to watch the rest of this, and I just haven't had the chance, and I haven't ordered it now to see the rest, and now I want to go do it right now. Can we stop recording so I can just go <laughs> watch it? Because I'm like, now I really want to, now I'm getting all excited again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to see Gorgs, uh, and they had a, a reference to Womp Rats, they were the Womp Rats of the scene. Now, have we ever gonna... seen Womp I know we've kind of seen them, you know, but uh, this up close, have we ever seen them? Uh, well, no, but these are Gorgs. So, so these are Womp Rats. 
No, no, they're just referred to as the Womp Rats of the Sea. Oh. So you almost wonder, like, if there's something about them, or is it just just as common as Womp Rats are? But now, are Womp Rats are Womp Rats a, a galactic problem? Are they like the, the the Tribbles were for the Klingon Empire at one point, where they got everywhere, and we're like, we got to do something about this? I don't know, but he's really <laughs> likes this Womp Rat of the Sea. Is this, I guess, like Chicken of the Sea? Right? It's not really. Yeah, chicken. it's a gorg. It's tuna. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> See, and I almost thought it was like the prog things that they had and the uh, that set outside Jabba's palace at first, but no, it's, it's something slightly different. <laughs> okay, well, I want a little um, plush doll of this now. Oh uh, no! See, I could see that. Like, uh, think about those alien things that they used to have that were. They were like the little frog-looking things, and they were leathery, and you squeezed them, and they had weird eyes. I can't remember the name of them, but they, they totally remind me of that toy. Do you think we'll see a puffer pig in the show? <laughs> I'm sorry. Ooh. I just had to go there. You know, I almost like, like, if they find a way to bring in Lando, like, he should be, like, bringing puffer pigs everywhere he goes. Like, you should have, like, one puffer pig per thing. Like, have you had their bacon? <laughs> <laughs> have you had their bacon? <laughs> I mean, that'd be the best. Hey, I actually had eight puffer fish for the first time. Blowfish. Oh. oh. And they're poisonous. Isn't so that you have one to that cook could kill you? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I was oh, at this man. fine dining restaurant. They're like, oh, yes, but if you cook it just right. And, da, 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 da. and it tasted fine, but it had so much like bone in it. I did not like it. I would be so terrified, man. You, you've got bigger tchotchkes than me, my friend. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to be the one that dies. We're all sitting at this table. One out of four. It's me. It's going to be me. And we're talking like uh, in sync. It's going to be me. Ah! <laughs> uh, we also had the hyperfuel, the coaxium, as it's known from the Star Wars story. Uh, we, so I thought that was kind of interesting that we have that, which makes sense. I mean, you're on a fueling base, so like it would probably come up. Uh, and we also we see Starkiller Base, which I don't know about you, but that was an exciting moment. I was just like, hey, wow, tie it in. Like seeing these things I didn't get to this up. part. Okay, so see, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. I heard about it. Some good it, stuff for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Captain Phasma gets a name check at this point. She hasn't uh, debuted yet. But that one uh, red TIE pilot at the beginning. Oh, that was cool. I, 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 I'm in love with it. Like, I'm almost like, I, I don't want it to be a single character. Like, I want that to be a squadron. Like, make that the, the 181st. Like, oh, gosh, how cool would that be if all of the 181st dressed like that instead of just it being one trip? That's what you should do for your cosplay. Now that red guy, like, so I've seen a cosplay and I've got a picture from, uh, when we did Celebration in Anaheim. I, uh, it was when I introduced my son to, to, uh, Stephen Stanton. Oh, yeah. And while we were sitting there taking photos, there was, I think, two or three Imperial Knights from the Star Wars Legacy comic. And they nailed it. Like, I mean, I wish I would have got better pictures. Cause, like, I think all the pictures are like in the series that I've got of me and Stanton and they're like off in the background. And then in one shot, I turn to take a shot of them, but they're like at a side angle. So it's like not the best shot, but oh man, there's something about red armor that just looks glorious in person. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I mean, it's just so dramatic, you know, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. it, it really stands out. Well, yeah. I mean, look at the Patriot army or Patriot. Oh God. Why did they give it such a weird name? What what are the the, the the Imperial Guards for Snoke? <laughs> oh, the Praetorian Guards. Praetorian. Every time I see it, I think of what the the Praetriat Vong or the Advanced Force of the Vong and how they had a different name than the Yuzen Vong. It's like well, that was that always threw me off with the Vong series. Like that's like my one complaint. <laughs> All right, now moving along from Resistance. Unless there was anything else you want to talk about before we uh, uh, shift gears and go from TV to books and comics. No, I mean just that I need to go watch Resistance now. Yeah, and for all you guys out there that haven't, you should check it out. Like, I, I only saw it the one time. It didn't really stick with me yet, like a lot of things. Uh, but it's like everything out there. You know, we get that first one, we get a taste of it. You're either on board right away or you're kind of like, I need to see a little bit more to really decide. Like like Riley. I mean, you know, Riley was on the fence with a lot of Rebels. Yeah, well, I know Great it took series. me a while to really decide if I liked Riley, too. Um, <laughs> so, no, that now that we're talking about this, I should mention... I was, this is going to sound, this is a bad pun, but I was a little resistant to the Resistance series because I was like, oh, I don't know. The trailer, it looks a little too kid-like for me. I mean, I'll still watch it. I'll probably kind of enjoy it, but, uh, you know, I'm not all that excited about it. But I will say is the first 30 minutes that I saw, I liked it a lot better than I thought. I mean, it really mm -hmm. felt like a Star Wars adventure, and I liked seeing different aspects of the Star Wars galaxy and of the Resistance to the point. And and Jazz didn't 
like bother me. That's his name, right? See, I don't even remember. Kaz. 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 He had a hard name. When they say his full name, I oh, felt yeah. like they were speaking Apache. I was just like, wait, what the? He went from having a name I could pronounce to it sounds like he's sneezing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, what did he just say? <laughs> yeah. Like Kaz Kazuto or something like that. I'm like, but, but like, and I know I didn't say that right because that was too fluent. <laughs> I mean, his voice sometimes a little grates on me just a little, but as a character, <laughs> I liked him better than I thought. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this series. See, ironically, I started watching this with my son and my son said something that I think is, is a, is a, a red flag for our Star Wars fandom and not, not really so much the fandom, but for the, the IP itself. We're watching it. He's all excited. And then he learns that this takes place before The Force Awakens. And he's like, why does Star Wars, why can't they ever just put one thing out and then put something to follow it? Why does it have to be, we've got this movie and then we got that movie and then we're going to go way over here and do a movie in there. Then we're going to go way over here and do something over here. And I'm just like, but he was really upset by it. Like it, he was like, it makes it really confusing. It's hard to follow. And I'm just like, holy crap. Like we're, all, we're not even five years into the Disney thing. And my son's, my son's hitting on the, the hallmark issue that new fans had with legends. Yeah. I've, I've heard <laughs> Something this that I've before. Been about. I remember when rogue one came out, uh, someone that I worked with said, you know, Oh, I really enjoyed the force awakens. So now explain to me about rogue one. I'm a little confused by it. And I said, Oh, well it takes place before new hope. And they went, Whoa, 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 wait. So this isn't after the force awakens. And then he just threw up his hands. He's like, I'm out. I can't follow if it, it's going to jump around like that but i there i think there are some casual fans that have issues with that and there's levels of that too i mean for the most part disney or star wars ip itself is pretty good at that but you think about like the marvel aspect and what they do with spider-man and wolverine and other other popular characters like at one point wolverine was an avenger he was on the x-men team he was on x-men's x-force black ops team and he was doing you know, he wasn't just like a, a secondary character. He was on the, the varsity of all of these teams doing something every single, you know. So it's like, how can he be on the East Coast when he's over in Mandarin and he also over on the uh, West Coast? Like, they had him everywhere. It's like, his can't work. Can you just and, go? I'm sorry. No, that's exactly it. It's like, you just get to that point where you're just like, I, I want to follow it, but I don't know where to go next. Right. And just imagine if this series, and it wouldn't look exactly like it does now, or not, I mean, look, but the story wouldn't be the same. But just imagine if they announced Star Wars Resistance, and this takes place after The Last Jedi, between episodes eight and nine, and it's going to lead up to episode nine. We would be really freaking out because we'd be like, oh, this has got to be a hint of what's coming up on episode nine, and now this makes sense, and now that makes sense. And I mean, it would have been really cool. Yeah, we're, what we're doing right now is a slow boil. You yeah. know, we're, we haven't even got to the simmer yet. But if you'd have done that, that would have been, that would have been like putting water right onto lava. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's boiling. Like, wh because what, what happens right now? We're at the Cold War stage. There's no open war. What happens after the Force Awakens alone? The New Republic's wiped out. They are wiped out. The resistance is wiped down to a very limited amount of Fighters and, and by fighters in this aspect, I mean the starfighters. Their fleet is wiped out. They are they have very little ships at this point. What happens at the end of the Last Jedi? They have very little people. Yeah. So now you're. I mean, you put it there, and now you're. These guys could be some of the survivors from that group, and now you've got this opportunity where they're fighting for their lives. You know, right now, what are they fighting for? Ideals. You know. So it's a, it's a totally different level of impact like and I, i'm with you like i think i think if they would have done the other one like it would have just i think so many more people would have been on board right away because the one thing star wars always gets right never screws up is their space battles i mean the only thing about space battles that i'm hearing any kind of complaint are is gravity aspects and honestly they found ways to rule out all that stuff the gravity bombs they had little gravity projectors that pulled them towards the planet the ships in space i mean they were being pushed by you know the rockets from the other ones like so I don't know. To me, like, that's where they've always hit. So you do that, you break it more on the war side of things instead of the slow simmer. I think it would have been a knockout of the park. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost like Star Wars Clone Wars, the Micro City the series, the Gendi series, how that was leading mm -hmm. up to Revenge of the Sith. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Even if we get a micro series, that would be cool. But yep. I, I don't think that's going to happen, of course, because yep. there's no. And I've said, I've said Starfighters are the way to go. So. Disney, uh, Lucasfilm, they're banking on this. They've got a new book coming out. It's Alphabet Squadron, which, of course, everybody was like, shouldn't it be Arabesh? And, you know, 
The reason why it's Alphabet Squadron is because as we see on the cover, we got an A wing, a B wing, we got a, a, a V wing, an E wing. I don't think there's actually an E wing on there. Uh, y wing, X wing, uh, U wing, V wing. Yeah, all those different wings. So ha ha, Alphabet. Ha, we're funny. But uh, <laughs> Disney Lucasfilm creative director Michael Siglin said uh, the premise for this is it started with us thinking, what if the hunters became the hunted? Which, and I, I want to say this real quick, the premise of this sounds a lot like the background story for what was going on in Chuck Wendig's book, Aftermath, because he had a char- core character group that was literally hunting the yes. hunted. So, I mean, kind of like, we didn't we already play with this, but that's okay. This version of Starfighter stuff, which, of course, you know, when it came to Starfighter stuff, Wendig took Wedge and neutered him. So somebody's got to make X-Wing pilots awesome again, and I believe that Alexander Freed could do it. So... Continuing from there, he goes, uh, we had the idea around the same time we were discussing stories that we all love, like Rogue Squadron stories and fighter pilot stories. And honestly, the Rogue Squadron books were some of the best of the Legends books out there. Um, he goes, we thought it would be cool if we had this squadron that was using this ragtag team that included an A-wing, a B-wing, a Y-wing, an X-wing, and a U-wing. If you had this Imperial Strike Force that was taking out all of these teams, and then you had to bring the survivors of these teams together to stop this Strike Force that was stopping all of them. Now, that sounds very interesting. That is a different different twist than what we saw with the group from it sounds this this idea sounds so much better than the title because i know riley was making fun of on the last show alphabet soup which i kind of get because i'm like alphabet squadron i mean maybe it would have been better Mm -hmm. to call it letter squadron or something i don't know but it does sound good or riffraff yeah something but yeah alphabet squadron just sounds weird says uh it's looking a little bit at the horrors of war and the aftermath of war uh, we're looking at what happens to these rebel pilots during the time of the Galactic Civil War, and then once the final battle happens, where do they go from there? We wanted to explore the time after the Return of the Jedi, and we wanted to explore the rebel pilots and what they're dealing with both pre- and post-destruction of the second Death Star. Yes, that sounds exciting to me. I'm I'm really excited about Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> now, for me, I want to see either a returning character from one of the other stories, or I want to see a character that in this that's prominent that it goes on. That's still something that I'm lacking when it comes to my books and stuff. Uh, I think the only se- thing that's really utilizing this right now is the Marvel comics. Uh, you know, you got characters like Afra. Dr. Afra has bounced from one series to another and stuff. You've seen her pop up in other ones uh, and, and Ray Sloan. I think Ray Sloan's probably the most prominent one to do it from comic to book. And even I think to video game, I think she might've been, in uh, uh, the Battlefront game at one point. I could be wrong on that one, but I thought she was in there at some point. Uh, And then the other one is, uh, uh, speaking comics, is Imperial Cadet, the uh, untold adventures of young Han Solo. You've seen Han escape the mean streets of Corellia by joining the Imperial Navy, but how does the thief, used to the chaos of back alley brawls, adjust to the order and discipline of the military? Well, not very well. And Han's dream of becoming a pilot is quickly grounded as you realize he may not even survive basic training. After a wild sequence of events lands him in the brig overnight, Hannah's giving one last shot at flight school. Will Han be top gun or will he crash and burn? And who is this mysterious rival ripped from the pages of classic Star Ooh, Wars comics? That gets comics? me excited just from that last bit, classic Star Wars comics. Yep. Uh, that, that, that's a wide open spot there that gets excited. And for me, the aspect of watching Han get washed out of the Imperial pilot side of things that puts him into the infantry that's something I was hoping that they would touch on in the film. So getting it in this aspect, yes. I'm excited. Um, the comics are definitely hitting when it comes to the story. They're hitting when it comes to the connectivity. I, I really don't have too many complaints right now for the comics. Like I, I'm really enjoying most of the comic series. There have been a few out there, like a Chewy one here and one Lando one here. That was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. But for the most part, they have been really good. Uh, the Vader stories, uh, the main Star Wars story right now, have been really, really hitting. So like, I'm excited about yeah, that. I'm behind on the comics, but most of the comics I've read have really been good, and I really need to start catching up. Man, I have a lot of catching up to do on Resistance and the comics. Right? Right? And uh, speaking of that Vader comic, um, there was some news. It was a big splash in the pond, as it were. Uh, the writer for the Shadow of Vader series that's coming happened to be let go by Marvel. Now, when I say it like that, you're like, who is this? Uh, everybody out there knows who it is because this splashed yesterday, and it splashed so hard across our fandoms, everybody had to have a taste of what was going down. So it was one Chuck Wendig. Uh, Chuck tweets... So here's the thing that has happened. 
I just got fired from Marvel, taken off of issue four and five of Shadow of Vader, and taken off of an as-yet unannounced Star Wars book. This might be a long thread, so apologies in advance. Um, and, and you know, there's there's one thing he says in this thread that I just thought was kind of brilliant on his part. Uh, you know, one of the more professional things I've seen him tweet. Uh, you know, I've, I, I'm not a follower of Chuck. I started to follow Chuck and then some of his tweets were just, you know, me and Bruce were talking, uh, in the rogue transmissions about, you know, foul language and manners and stuff. And so, like, you know, that kind of rubbed me. I was like, I don't, I don't need to see all this. Not that some of the things he was doing weren't things that I was like, you know, yeah, that needs to be brought up to everyone's attention. Uh, but it was just kind of the way he goes about it. But there were some things in here where I was just like, this is, uh, you know, he, he's looking at it for what it is and he's saying some really decent things. Uh, let's see, scroll down to, cause there's a lot of stuff here going on. I mentioned that he went on a rant about being fired from Marvel. <laughs> That's why it's taken a while to right? find and, and In fact, like this, it wasn't this thread that they've, uh, I'm actually on his actual main Twitter feed. Like normally I've seen it cut down. So it's like, like three down. I'm just like, man, where is this? Uh, he was, talks about the, the artists and I'm not seeing the tweet right now, but he, he basically said, you know, like if my name's attached to it, uh, you know, like. I don't want to take this book down with me. So I'll remove, you know, being removed is better. And, you know, the, the artists are really the ones that are doing everything. Like, I wish I could find the tweet right now because it was, I thought it was really brilliant. I was like, I loved it. I was like, that's a great one. Yeah. I follow Chuck Wendig. Uh, I read the aftermath books. I wasn't a big fan of them. I didn't dislike them. I thought they were okay. There were some aspects of it that I really found fun and interesting. Uh, and some of the characters too, I thought were uh, pretty good too, but some, not all. But, you know, he just, he gets a little carried away on social media, so this doesn't surprise me. It bothers me in some ways that some people are upset that how dare Marvel fire him. But from my perspective, working in the entertainment industry, and I work for a studio in L.A. now, it does movies and such, I mean, you really have to be careful with how you represent yourself when you're in the public eye, when you represent a company or, or the voice. I mean, he's not the voice of Marvel, but he's hired by Marvel to do a project. And if he goes way out of his way to offend people and be obnoxious and vulgar online, which, you know, I can read it and I'm entertained by it. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I'm okay with it, but it really can put some people off. And that's part about, you know, that he has his right to speech freedom of speech but you know if you start slinging crap around you might step in it well and, and when he and nathan were talking about it on stars beyond the films we had like two episodes you know focusing on chuck and his books because it wasn't just chuck's books it was chuck and his books i mean he was a presence <laughs> and then they gave him a lot of opportunity to create a cornerstone in star wars and, you know, for me, my main issue was the writing style. I could not get into the writing style. I had to go audiobook while reading because even the audiobook, there were times where I was just the way it came across, it almost came across like a play. Like, and, and it would have been okay as a play, um, you know, like I, the way he writes. But there were people on both sides of the fence, like even Michael Morris, our, our editor, you know, he was down for his, his writing style. And, I know other people that are like, I'm a teacher and I would fail this guy. So I'm like, you know, like there was clearly an issue there, but it came across like if you had any issue with his writing style, that wasn't the issue. The issue was the LGBT characters. At least that was the narrative that was coming from Chuck's tweets. And even in this, when he's like his second tweet on this thread to rewind a little bit, when Star Wars Aftermath came out, I assume most know, but maybe you don't. I put some uh, elements in there, and he puts in quotes, LGTB characters that were not received well by a certain subset of fandom. He doesn't mention his writing style at all. He just, it's just a, we were, it, you know, the fans were upset about the LGBT characters. That, there were some people, but that is grossly overlooking the issue of the style of how it was wrote. That was the number one complaint from almost everyone that had. Oh, I heard that book. all the time. It's like, oh, I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it's it's in the present, not the past, and all. The, I mean, I heard that over and over again about his style. Right, it didn't bother me, but I, I heard a lot of people say that it kept coming back to. He was like, oh, they're having they're they're homophobic. They're having issues with this, and it was like that's not the case. Other writers have slipped in characters of that nature, and no one batted an eye. Right. Uh, um, 
uh, let's see, D- Daniel Jose Older, right? Like, I think he's the only other author that had some backlash because he wrote a character that was gender neutral. But he, again, he did it in a way that it was, you know, it wasn't even brought up. It was just they would refer to the character as they all the time. And the only issue with that one was because it was not brought up, it was done so smoothly that the only thing that didn't work was when you had a character like Han Solo looking at the character and automatically using that adjective. Because like I, I in my, that was my only issue with that one because it was like the character was introduced as Han Solo. The character was masquerading as Han Solo. Han Solo's a guy. Okay, so if this character is supposed to be gender neutral, then why was he masquerading as a guy? And then immediately is like, everyone just automatically knows, like, we're not supposed to call him he. We're supposed to call him they. And if you had a moment where he goes like, you know, hey, I don't identify as a gender. I'm like one of these species kind of thing. You know, because like uh, um, the Han Solo uh, book, the novelization, in that first opening scene where the 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 delivery goes bad. There is a character that is a, a, a non-gender species. They had like different fur colors. If it was male, it was one color. If it was female, another color. If it was white, it was non-gender. They describe that to you. Bam. Okay, we're past that. We're moving on. And that was the thing. It's like when, when Chuck's characters had it, we stopped and we focused on it. And then Chuck was calling people out. And that became an issue so much so that when he's talking about why he got fired, that's one of the reasons why he's he's staying oh, well, well it wasn't well received. He never once talks about his writing style. And that was definitely the number one issue that most random fandom Well, it had. is and but his writing style and uh characters and all this stuff, I mean, that isn't why he was fired. I mean, if anything, those things existed before Marvel hired him. It's just I think with exactly. the whole Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court uh, him being inducted as a judge in the Supreme Court. I've seen tweets since then from Chuck Wendig that were very, had a lot of profanity and, you know, F, 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 F this and all that stuff, which he does a lot, but he was really outraged by the whole result of that. And I don't know, but I think that was also part of the, he's just going a little too far. He's, he's getting a little too mm-hmm. profane vulgarity. Even he says, quote here that, he says, the editor said he had made the call. He seemed generally upset at my tweets and profanity. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's just the way he's conducting himself. I mean, he, he kind of spouts off like a he hasn't gone past sixth grade, in my opinion. But again, I follow well, him. I'm not offended, but I can see this does not surprise me. I was actually surprised Marvel hired him the way he acts sometimes online. And by the way, he even says it's, it wasn't Lucasfilm's decision. This was Marvel. Yeah, and I, I'm in that same boat. When Marvel picked him up, I was like, why? But his, honestly, his comics, I, I would rather him continue to write comics than books. Like, so as far as I'm aware, he hasn't been fired from Delray. And the upcoming book from the rumor mill I've heard was that it wasn't a Delray book, that it was probably a Disney Lucasfilm uh, press book. So I was like, oh, well, that was interesting, too. But, you know, when these tweets came out, and I've got the thread that you're pulling up uh, because of the Kavanaugh thing. Some of these tweets, when I first read them, I thought they were part of the thread about him getting fired, right? Because people were were taking pictures and and moving them. And I think that that's the danger that Disney and Marvel are talking about is that, you know, you're putting them out there, but then anyone else is taking them and rearranging them and making it look like you said things you didn't say because of what you did say. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to censor the heck out of this first one because this is this is where you talk about, you know, that the, the uh, Kavanaugh got elected. And this is definitely the rant. The first one is blank Trump. And he's just the ugly fake gold mask that they put on this thing. Blank all the GOP. Blank that blubbering blistering fat frat boy judge. Blank McConnell, Ryan, Glassy, Collins. Every last one of them. Blank them for how they've shamed victims and helped dismantle democracy. Now, he's passionate about the subject, but it's it's the... You know, and I get it. Like when you're at that point where you're like, I don't care anymore. And clearly that's where he was. But it's, it's that aspect of not caring that he forgot about the fact that they do have that right. And he does talk about that, that they did have that right to do that. And that is, so for me, it's like, okay, if you want to talk like that and you want to get your message out, why not create a second Twitter account that's, you know, that you don't connect to you specifically, but you, you know, you could say the things you want to say 
And then you could have your Chuck Wendig count go, hey, look what Robbie's saying today. Robbie's on it. You know, like I, to me, like there were ways you could still say all the things you want to say without having it be on your page where all your fans and, and your your bosses are watching. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were talking in the Rogue Transmissions, you know, I'm a scouter. So like I'm I'm always trying to watch what I say because I grew up, I had a foul mouth, you know, Um I st- I don't have an issue with swearing, but I understand that there is a time and a place. And so I got to curb my excitement. When I get excited, I drop the F-bomb a lot, you know? Uh, so, but that's where my thing is. It's like, you got to, you got, I'm very aware of what I'm posting into which thing I'm posting it on. You know, I mean, even, even when it comes to our pages, like I'll put more risque things on beyond the film's Facebook page than I ever will on the Star Wars yeah. report. Uh, you know, because like when I think about our, uh, the two audiences, you know, the Star Wars report has always been family friendly. And when I say family friendly, I'm thinking two year old to 200 year old. You know, when I think beyond the films, I usually think it's like more like a Conan O'Brien late night kind of show. You know, like we're a specific core set. Like, you know, usually the new kid fan that's six and seven isn't going to be coming to a Legends thing going like, hey, let's get deep into this topic. You know, so like I'm a little more lenient on that. But again, because of the nature of our network. I don't go dropping a bunch of F-bombs and stuff. There's plenty of ways, especially being a sci-fi fan, that you could say frack. You could say all sorts of other things and not say the certain words that you're saying. I'll even drop an asterisk in it. I mean, at least it's enough. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it's that aspect of being so fed up that you just don't care and then forgetting about the fact that, well, you said you didn't care and you were okay throwing it out there. And by not caring, you didn't care that your job was on the line by doing that. Or you were just so passionate about it that you forgot about it and let the don't care just take you down a road that puts you where I, where you are. Um, you know, and he, he talks about, you know, this being a scarier narrative because of things going on, like with uh, James Gunn, Roseanne Barr, all these other people that because of what they said on social media and then people taking that and running with it you know, like a bunch of pitchforks and stuff coming after Frankenstein's monster, you know, that mom mentality, you know, and, and he's got points. There are points on both sides. So it's definitely, you know, and we were talking about this again in the rogue transmissions about it. For me, it was one of the interesting aspects was to seeing the reactions of people, both on the right and the left and, and in the middle and people that I didn't think would react the way they are and aren't like, I've got people that I wouldn't expect to be bothered by this. that are like, I'm done with all Marvel. And I was just like, I mean, I'm just really surprised. Then there's some people that I thought would be really upset with this. And they're like, thank the Lord. I'm glad he's out. Like, so there, I mean, there are reactions all the way across the board with this one. And I know when we were talking about this beforehand, because there's so much that there's no way we could touch and talk about every aspect and angle of it. You know, I mean, so if you're listening and you think like we missed something here, I'm sure we have. It's a, it's a large topic and we're, me and Bruce aren't on, you know, the full spectrum of mindsets, especially politically. So we can't really cover every angle here. So please forgive us if we, you know, didn't quite hit everything or there's a big point that we should have talked about and we didn't. And I don't know exactly what tweet or what tweets that Marvel had an issue with. And of course, we don't know anything behind the scenes. We don't know, you know, if there's, you know, retailers or business partners of Marvel that had complaints and this is going to sour that deal. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of things that can get involved. I know in my job, if I were tweeting things like this, there there could be an, an opportunity for my company to fire me because I deal with clients and such, and they don't want that representative of the company. I, I have to be careful even here on this podcast of certain things I say because I don't want what I say be a representation of the company's I work for. And therefore, that's why I typically don't try to mention like where I'm working now. <laughs> surprise yeah. surprise yeah well exactly i mean and, and see for me when i got inducted this year into the order of the arrow that's the scouting's national honor society so like i mean that's a big deal like you're considered a role model they consider you to be one of the best of the best of what the program can offer and they expect you to live that walk that they, they you know they have a thing where they say slash and dash they don't want you to get, a, get your OA sash and then they never see you again. You're elected in the order of the arrow, not for what you've done, but what you're going to continue to do. And cheerful service is the big thing. Um, when my boys got into it, like they didn't quite understand that, you know, we're doing our ordeal and stuff and like, it's hard work. You know, you, you get like very little food. So you're hungry, you're miserable, but it's the focus on cheerful service. And I got that while we were there, like watching my kids, especially it was like, you know, you have to make the choice in those situations when everything is terrible, you don't, you're hurt, you're tired, you're hungry, you're sore, and you've got a mountain of work still to do. 
and now is the time you got to put on that smile. If you don't put on that smile, you're going to have a miserable experience. But the second you put that smile on and you get cheerful and you cheer up your brothers next to you and you all tackle it together in a cheerful way, everyone's lending a hand. It goes a lot faster. It's a total different experience than when you're out there and everybody's miserable because you know, you have just somebody that's just hating it and it's all they're doing is just bringing everyone down. Like it's just, and I'm aware of that because like I have to be that person to be that for my kids. I have to be the role model because if I'm not, who is? And I think that that's the thing that like a lot of people forget about is that, you know, you're a role model, whether you know it or not, there's somebody looking up to you, no matter what your walk of life is. Someone is looking up to what you do. There is some aspect of your life that you're better that that someone else at this one thing. And they're looking up to you because you're showing them how it's done. Right. And, you know, to me, that's why manners are important. That's why, you know, and again, like I, I'm a kid that grew up swearing. I didn't have an issue with it when I was a kid. But as I got older, I recognized the fact that there are people that swearing is very, 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 very taboo. You know, like that is a big time sin for them. Uh, and when I was a kid, I would scoff at that. But now as I'm older, I recognize that there are reasons for that. You know, that people, some people are raising their families with certain values and some people are like, you know, Riley's family, like when Riley didn't get to watch Star Wars till he was a certain age, I thought that was extreme. All right. Like I did. I really thought that was extreme. But then I realized that I robbed my kids of that. You know, all my kids were watching Star Wars stuff right at the get go. So there was no big reveal for any of it for them because it was always on in the background. Like Riley got something very magical because of the way his parents sheltered them in that aspect when it came to the movie rating system. I, for me, the movie rating system is like, I'll watch a rated R movie. And if it's like not so bad, then I'll just be like, yeah, you can watch my daughter. I let her watch the first Deadpool. I just made her look away during two scenes. I was like, okay, they're going to walk into the, the work and you're not oh going to watch Oh my gosh. This. You just uh, identified <laughs> what should happen. Chuck Wendig should write for Deadpool period. End of it right there. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we beat this topic up. Um, you know, we could probably talk on it more on uh, rogue transmissions. I know, you know, this is such a sensitive topic or, or, you know, rallying point that it's probably not one that we should be continuing to talk about on the main show, but we could, you know, if people want to talk about it, we could possibly do that again. I know that in our patron group, we do have a lot of opinions, both for and against this. So maybe it's something some people would like. Maybe it's something we don't touch with another poll ever again. I don't know. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. But uh, speaking of things we touched, we do have Boba's Bounty, something in Star Wars that's happened, we've touched, inspired, or brought us an experience this past week. Bruce, uh, what did you experience in the realm of Star okay, Wars? Okay, so last week was my birthday, October 5th. And so typically Woo! my wife will say to me, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And there's things that are coming out, whether they're movies on disc or uh, a book or something like that. And it always seems to be coming out the week after my birthday. Well, Solo, of course, <laughs> came out on digital, then followed by Blu-ray, DVD, whatever, on uh, two weeks later at the end of September. So I thought, you know what? I said, you can buy me solo. Of course I have to wait now. I can't just get it when everybody else is getting out. I'll, I'll wait till my birthday. And so when my birthday showed up, I opened up all my stuff and there was no solo. And I looked at my wife. I said, uh, no solo. She's like, Oh no, they're sold out. I went on Amazon and they're completely sold out. <laughs> and I, and I, t she told me a couple weeks ago that it was sold out on Amazon, I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, go check at Target or whatever. I'm sure it's at the stores. She says, oh, no, I couldn't even find the store. Target didn't have it. So then the next day, I drove to Target, and there was a whole display of all kinds of solos <laughs> right there. There was the DVD only. There was the Blu-ray one. There was the 4K one. Like, all the ones there. And so I, like, got my solo on October 6th. And then when I brought it home, she's like, oh. Well, you found it. She's like, we're watching it tonight, right? She wanted to watch it, so we watched it that night. So that was pretty cool. But at the same nice. time, I got enough gift cards that I've always had all six Star Wars movies on that Blu-ray set that came out, the box collection of the complete saga. But then when when it came yeah, out yeah. on digital, you know, it was going to be, I remember one time it was 80 bucks, like they were a temporary price or whatever, but yeah. it's, you know, a hundred bucks. And I was like, do I want to pay a hundred, spend a hundred bucks on movies I already have on Blu-ray? Well, I had enough gift cards because it's been bothering me for, for, <laughs> for years now because when I use my Apple TV or my phone or whatever, I want to be able to just bring up one of the other saga movies and I don't have it digitally. So finally I bought them digitally. So I've got 
Solo. I've got the six original Star Wars movies, all digital. I'm a happy guy. I have every Star Wars movie by digital now, so I'm happy. Nice. See, I, I'm, I'm where you're, you were because I've only got Rogue One, uh, Force Awakens, and The Last Jedi digitally. Uh, and I'm like, man, I now I got to complete my collection. Uh, we did. We rented it uh, solo on Redbox, so I didn't get to watch all the, the extra cool stuff. I was kind of bummed about that. But I finally got to watch it with my whole family. Um, you know, my wife and my daughters did not get to watch it. I only watched it with my son. In fact, I still haven't got to watch it with my dad and my uh, my mom or my sister. Uh, I told them when I buy it, which I, I want to get it bought here soon, uh, that I'd bring it up and we'd watch it there. So I still haven't got to watch it with my entire family, which is, again, the reason why I think December is definitely the better time for Star Wars films, because I had plenty of time to take all of my family and extended family to go see it, unlike May. Uh, but for me, my uh, Boba's Bounty was... We were down at Walmart, no, not Walmart, we were at Fred Meyer's, and we were walking around, they had uh, books on sale, it was 50% off, and the section was like, you know, all kids' books, and they had some Star Wars books on that section, and I was like, I don't think these belong here, but they were all parked there, you know, it was like 20 books deep, so I'm like, okay, somebody clearly went out of their way to make sure these books were on the shelf, so I stand back, take a picture, and I bring the books up front. And they ring up full price, and I go, well, look at the pension here, and show it to her. So she marks small half off. So I got myself uh, uh, Star Wars Most Wanted, uh, uh, kind of like a prequel book for the Han Solo book uh, movie, where it's about Han and Kira kind of solidifying their friendship. Uh, and then I also got the mighty Chewbacca in the Forest of Fear, which anytime you get a book where Chewbacca talks, like I'm always getting excited, even though he's still talking in the roars. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it's a step closer to him actually talking. Like there was only one book where we ever got what Chewie was saying, uh, uh translated. And that was, was that the sh- uh, showdown on Corellia or something like that. It was when Han gets captured by the Yaveta and Chewie takes his son and, and like some cousins and a whole Wookiee task force and they go bust him out. And, and while the Wookiee task force is in action, like everything they were saying was broke down and words are like, yeah, I finally know what Chewie's saying. Like to me, like I, I wish they would do that a long time ago in the books and comics. Like I, to me, it's just a, a great opportunity. Like I, I, I wish they would do it. They're never going to, but so I got a kick out of that book. Uh, and most wanted, I was, like I said to you uh, during the Rogue Transmissions, I was in the middle of the solo story novelization and Most Wanted intrigued me so much that I, you know, I grabbed it and I was kind of flipping through it. And next thing I know, I flipped through it enough that I pretty much read the book without reading the book. It's pretty good. Um, You know, I've definitely, I've said before and I'll say it again, the Disney press, like the writers that they pick for their books, their books have all been really good stories. Yeah, those Um, have been some of the best ones. They really have. They, they've been doing what the comics have been doing. Unlike the regular Delray books, who used to be really good at it, that interconnectivity. Like, they really find a way to, you know, connect events and stuff like that. And, and like, like think about uh, Rebel Rising. And, like, you know, that was, like, the everything you need to know about Jin Erso book. Like, it filled in so much of her backstory that you just grab that book and everything you need to know about that character is just right there. So I, I I just I'm loving the way that they're coming at their angle of storytelling. It's da, 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 I'm loving it. <laughs> I think I think we're there, Bruce. I think it's uh, it's that time to once more remind everyone uh, you can be a patron of the show. Uh, go to our patron thing. Follow the links on our our show notes here. You can check out all the links that we have in the show. If there's anything that uh, we were talking about and you want to explore more, follow those links. There's a lot of good tidbits out there. A lot of great sites that we follow. Uh, and you can follow us. Uh, I'm Illogical Rogue 2 out there on the uh, the internet webs out there. Although, again, if you see uh, me on PlayStation 4 playing Fortnite, that's definitely my son. If you uh, see me playing on Fortnite, I'm probably just standing still or running like a dummy. He's good. So shoot him in the head, shoot him in the face, shoot him very often. Uh, he's actually finding out that more of his scout friends are playing and they're teaming up. So he's starting to become lethal. So somebody <laughs> needs to like take him down a peg. Uh, Bruce? Admiral Rex, right? Admiral underscore Rex. Oh no, I changed it to at Chuck Windig. You can find <laughs> all my tweets at Chuck Windig. <laughs> well played, well played. Uh, and Riley, you know he's out there as the Riley guy, uh, and, and we've got a a Instagram out there. It's Star Wars Bits. It's not the Star Wars Report because somebody stole our name and is using it. And I'm going to keep pointing that out just because I'm, I'm just, I'm like that. Do you know what uh, the history was on star Wars bits? I don't think this has ever been mentioned. 
No, no, because when that when that came out, I was just like, what, what's going on, Star Wars bits? Like Riley was gonna do like something funny every day, and then realize he wasn't as funny as he thought he was. Like, I, well, <laughs> I don't no. know. So there was something, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but I think it was earlier this, like real early in 2018, maybe even late 2017. He was talking about doing these little short YouTube videos of Star Wars, where he and I would alternate on the videos talking about a subject and they would be just like a like a two minute video or three minute re- like you know what do you think of Poe Dameron go and you just like okay this is what <laughs> and it was called Star Wars Bits and he wanted to make all these videos and I forget what it was but I just said like you know I, I, I don't have time to make all those and like but I wanted him to go ahead and go forward with it I just didn't I just didn't want to do it because I just didn't have time and then he just didn't do it. But he had already registered Star Wars bits on Instagram and other things and stuff. So if anywhere you see Star Wars bits, that's what that's about. Now I just gave out his ideas. Somebody's going to take it and run with it. Man, speaking of taking it and run with it, have you seen our Star Wars story? Scott, Scott Rifen's got the Star Wars story. And now there's this other one out there. And I'm just like... Man, wait, what are you talking about? There's another podcast? No, no, yes, backed by Lucasfilm. Man, it's a video. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's what's it called? Yeah, it's called like our Star Wars story instead of my Star Wars story. I'm just like, whoo! But Scott was brilliant, and and he, I think he registered the name of theirs to host his directory. I'm like, that's awesome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm looking Speaking at this of now. things that are awesome, though, you can get yourself a free audiobook at www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, and the great thing about Audible is if you get a book that you absolutely hate, you got 12 months. That's one year to exchange it because they'll exchange any book. No questions asked. That's a great opportunity there. You can read a Star Wars book, any other fandom out there that you like. Uh, but if you put in that link, you also help us as well. And you can also help us, like I said before, by joining our patron. You get all those great little things like our rogue transmissions, our little meetups, and our Facebook chat, which we're, uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the most interactive chats that we've ever created for, you know, even our listener chat doesn't go as banging as our uh, patron one, man. There's sometimes I have to mute that thing or it's going all night long. <laughs> yeah, it's very active. Yeah, if it, you if you want to get involved in that group, yeah, become a patron. Mm-hmm. All right, so... For Star Wars Report, this is Mark, Bruce, and uh, the ghost of Riley saying, Many Bothans died to bring you this report. And get the heck out of our ship, because we got to go. <laughs> Thank you for writing Star Tours. Bye-bye.